And we read there about Jesus' Passover with his disciples and when he then also instituted the Lord's Supper. He used the elements of Passover, the Passover feast to institute the Lord's Supper. Matthew 26, beginning at verse 17. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? And he said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So far, the the scripture reading, let's respond by saying together Psalm 85, stanza 3. Is the last verse we read, we'll read it again. Verse 29 of Matthew 26. I tell you, says the Lord Jesus there, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. We read about that in Matthew 26. And then right after, he had lifted up the cup of wine, which was to represent his blood, the blood of the new covenant. The Lord Jesus added something yet. He said, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And notice he begins that statement with the words, I tell you, or better yet, I declare to you. And those words were used in those days to indicate a solemn promise, a vow The Lord Jesus made a vow here, like a a solemn promise, like a marriage vow, or the vow when men take office in church, or the vow parents make when one of their children is baptized. And we pay attention to that vow and what Jesus meant by it this morning. 
Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, our Savior vowed then that he would not drink again of the fruit of the vine until a time in the future. Now, not drinking of the fruit of the vine meant that the Lord Jesus promised to refrain from taking any alcoholic drink. And why would people abstain from alcoholic drink at a certain time? Because this was new wine. Why would they refrain from that? Well, if, you, if it might interfere in any way with what they're going to do, with a certain thing that they're going to do. Nowadays, the saying is, don't drink if you drive. If you're supposed to fulfill a certain task that requires you to concentrate and to uh, maintain good reflexes, such as with driving, then you shouldn't drink alcohol because it impairs that. And you know, that's why there was a law in the Old Testament that the priests who were serving in the temple were not allowed to take any wine or strong drink before serving in the temple. Their service in the temple required them to be, uh, to be able to concentrate on what they were doing and that they would do exactly what they were supposed to do there in the temple. You can also think of other people in the Old Testament who vowed to completely devote themselves to serving the Lord for a certain amount of time. And they were called Nazirites. They vowed to abstain from all wine and other fermented drinks during a time of special service to God. Well, the, the Lord Jesus made a vow like that in the text like a Nazirite vow, because he was going to devote himself completely to the service of God for a certain amount of time. He vowed to drink no wine until the time of his service is over. In other words, until the kingdom of his father has come to glorious fullness. And with that vow, he shows he wants to give his full and undivided attention to his task before God, a task he was going to fulfill before God, as long as that task takes. And that time of his service then not only included his suffering and death, which would take place on the cross the next day when he made this vow right afterwards, but it also includes all the time afterwards, after his death, after his resurrection, and after his ascension into heaven. It includes the time in which we live today too. Now, as Jesus reigns with his Father in heaven and continually intercedes for us and works for us from there in heaven. It includes the time, the whole time from the moment in the upper room till Jesus' return in glory. During that whole time, the Lord Jesus vows to drink no fruit of the vine. And he is keeping that vow today, now, concentrating, in other words, on his task 
to bring God's people into his eternal kingdom. Interceding for them, working for them from heaven until that kingdom is full. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, why did Jesus make that vow at the institution of the Lord's Supper, the remembrance of his death? Well, he, he wanted to assure his people who were going to witness the fact that he was going to be arrested and he would die. He was going, that he was, yes, he was going to leave them. He would rise and ascend into heaven. But he wasn't going into heaven to relax and rest on his laurels in heaven. While his people would continue to struggle here on earth as if they're on their own here. No, his vow meant that he was going to continue to work hard and to concentrate on his task in heaven in the service of God for the till the complete salvation of all his people, all those whom the Father gave him. He would concentrate on that task to bring them in. So that vow, with that vow, our Savior assures us at the Lord's Supper celebration that even if he's not physically here with us as host at this table, he's here spiritually, but not physically here with us as host, he is continuing to concentrate totally on the work of our complete salvation from heaven. He's He's working for us from heaven, reigning over all things for his church, interceding for us there, organizing things from there. Yes, for him, feasting and whining and dining will come later when the kingdom of God comes to fullness. But until then, he's working for us in heaven, for us and his people. Think about it. Even though our Lord doesn't allow himself any festivities at this time, he does permit us to enjoy a feast of joy at his table. Even though we still live in this broken world and we still have to fight daily against sin here in ourselves and around us, we can already celebrate our deliverance from all of that through the broken body and shed blood of Christ by partaking of bread and wine at the Lord's Supper here today. We can already do that, even though he's, he's not celebrating, he's working. We can already celebrate. And that's why the form for Lord's Supper calls the Lord's Supper a foretaste of the eternal feast The Lord's Supper celebration is a guarantee for believers that all our sins are forgiven through Christ's sacrifice for us. And that vow added to the supper means that he will certainly finish what he has begun for us. And he has vowed to concentrate on working everything so that all those who the Father gave him can in time be with him to celebrate the fullness of salvation in his Father's kingdom with him. And then he will drink the wine new with us in the kingdom of his father. And you can imagine he longs to to do that, to finish his work. He can hardly wait 
to completely finish our redemption so that he can drink that wine new with us in his father's kingdom. He can feast and celebrate with his people forever. New wine, new wine, wine that is new makes the heart joyful. And the Lord Jesus longs to share the perfect joy with us at the eternal feast in that kingdom. It's not always easy for us to keep longing for that day when the eternal feast begins with the Lord Jesus physically present to and in his glory. To celebrate with us, is it? Because we so easily get caught up in, in all that is involved in this life here, right? And then it's so hard to remember that we're not where we belong yet here. And that we still may and need to long for and live for that return of the Lord Jesus when everything will be perfected and we can feast with him present as host. But the Lord Jesus wants to help us with that during this time that we live here. He wants to help us in that with the Lord's Supper celebration every time again. That we focus on that. The Lord's Supper points back to his suffering and death on the cross. But with that vow, our Savior also uses that sacrament to point ahead to the eternal feast that will begin when he returns and drinks the wine new with us. And what a feast that will be more glorious than we can comprehend and imagine So when we eat and drink at the Lord's table, let's be assured in our hearts that not only are all our sins paid for by his death, but also that our Savior is concentrating on working toward that great feast in the future, that feast that never ends. And let's concentrate on working toward that to ourselves. Congregation, amen. Let's sing in response.